Welcome to The Experience of You, a podcast on how to own your personal brand and have the mindset to get your goals and live your dreams. People who lead with an authentic and positive personal brand create the ultimate experience for others. And when they do, they get what they want, personally and professionally. It's not about likes and followers. Don't let others dictate your brand. Take control of it and own it. Throughout this podcast, brilliant people will help you learn how. I'm Dave Thompson, and here's this week's guest. Joining me today is Ashley Owens, a networking concierge, someone with an extraordinary personal brand who helps people build theirs and business opportunities. Our definition of a person with a strong personal brand is someone who makes a difference for others. That definition is embodied outright in the name of her company, Ashley Assists. Ashley works with executives as their strategic partner during networking events, working the rooms and now Zooms as a client advocate to create and then develop the right relationships down to the administrative follow-up. Ashley, thanks for joining today. Thank you, David. Thank you for having me. Tell me about Ashley Assists and how it started. What was your inspiration? And did you identify a need for this? That's a great question. So it's actually a funny story. Um, when I graduated college, I had 18 jobs after graduation. Lots of mergers and acquisitions, lots of budget cuts, lots of working through working through every sick day, not really taking any vacations, and just being loyal, as loyal can be. And unfortunately, it just didn't matter. So my performance reviews were great. Everything was fine. And then, you know, life just kind of punches you in the face. So uh, when I got to Philadelphia, I realized that I had I started my career working for two celebrities in New York as a personal and executive assistant. My background was in entertainment. And then by the time I got to Philadelphia, my last position was I was selling custom software. And I woke up one morning and I said, how the hell did I get from working in New York City to Philadelphia selling custom software? And I realized that every transition was a very much a fire drill. So it got down to the point where I didn't want to have to change my network again if I was going to look for an opportunity. So I went, I had, was frustrated with my last position. I did the only thing I could think of, which was quit, which is hard for an Irish Catholic um, woman who works her tail off and doesn't, you know, keeps her head down and keeps working. You know, you work until you stroke out. So by the time I got to that position, I was really, you know, really frustrated. I felt like I wasn't being heard, um, left the position. And then that Monday, I went to a networking event held by Todd Hesbacher, who does the Phillies uh, tailgate uh, networking events when we, were, when we were allowed to see the people. And I went to that event and I walked around and I just talked to people. I just decided to talk to them and have nothing to sell. So it was a very different vibe. I felt very comfortable. And I walked around and I asked people, you know, all right, well, everybody here has something in common. What do they have in common? I don't want to change my network again. Like, what do they have in common? They were all networking. Okay. What logistically, because I run operations for a few different companies, like what logistically could I give them that would benefit their networking activity? So I went around and I asked the first person, I said, hey, how are you? To the full, you know, the whole pleasantry. And I said, what sucks for you about networking? Like, what are your, what are your challenges? What, what do you hate about it? And so every person I went to, I just built on that question that I asked the person previous and asked, what do you hate about the follow-up? What do you hate about going to events? What do you hate? All of these things. So by the time I got to the last person, I had a semblance of service offering just because I asked the question. Somebody overheard me BS my way through a potential service offering and he goes over and he comes, it comes over to me and says, Hey, would you ever, would you ever network for somebody at a book signing? 
I said, sure. He goes, okay, give me a call in two weeks. This event's coming up. Would love your help. And I would, you know, just give me a call in two weeks. I was like, okay. Okay. So this is 48 hours after I left my previous position. And now I've got a potential client. I, I find it very difficult or I found it very difficult that I was being taken seriously because for the longest time I've had to ask for permission to send an email, to do this, to do that. So when he, you know, kind of saw the, the, the potential in me, I took that very seriously because I knew that that was, you know, it's few and far between. So in two weeks, I had a website, I had a logo, I had liability insurance, I had headshots done, I had a master services agreement, I had a statement of work, and I called in all of the favors over the last 10 years to help me make me look valid in some way. So two weeks go by, I give a guy a call back and I said, hey, you know, I'm interested in, you know, if you're still interested, I'd love to help you with this event. He goes, no problem. I drove to, he goes, it's in State College. Now, for those of you who are listening, State College from Philadelphia, where I live, is about four-hour drive. So I drove four hours to work a two-hour event, came back, and that was a full day of, you know, activity. Got him what he needed. So I worked the room to make sure he was meeting with the kinds of people he was looking to meet with at that event while he was behind the table doing this book signing. And it ended up turning out really great. I gave him all of the leads to his team, who then followed up. And then the next week, I got a beautiful testimonial, which is still on my still on my website to this day, and the world opened up. And so that was the start of Ashley's Sis. And so from there, I was able to create service offerings based off of the needs of the people that I had the pleasure and the privilege of being in my network. So that's, that's how it got started. I love that. Tell me now, into this for several years, what's the, what do you, what's the most rewarding aspect of it for you? I I'm always shocked that people still pay me to help them. And that's because of, I, I'm, I'm being serious because I, I have a really insecurity from being in, in compliant positions where doing my job was enough and not really getting the affirmation that I need to, that I needed to do to, to feel confident enough to get to the next step. So when I get feedback from clients that are positive, I particularly have a problem even accepting it because I feel like that's just my job. Like, of course, I'm going to help you with this, right? So I always go above and beyond. But the most rewarding had to have been I've received two phone calls over the year where I started building up a speaking. I used to train. I used to teach a lot, especially with entertainment. So I would train kids how to do TV, film, print, and runway on how to act and how to perform in front of judges. So I understood the idea of a curriculum. I've never formally taught, but I am, you know, working on some stuff. The most rewarding had to have been I, I spoke at a tech networking event and then I ended up getting a call from a woman about a year later who said, Ash, I don't know if you know who this person is, but she saw you at a tech, you know, startup, you know, and you gave a presentation and she spoke to you for about 15 minutes afterwards. And I don't know if you know this, but she started her company because of what you said to her. And I cried for two days because there has been, because I'm such a wuss, but there has been a significant amount of confidence that has been built up inside myself since I started this because I have, I now have faith in myself and to be able to go back and, and chat with these wonderfully kind and ambitious women who just need the permission to do it and to go, you know, and, and to have that conversation with them and saying, what's the worst that can happen? What's the worst that can happen? 
but I never would have, but I would have needed that at the stage that they were in only a year ago, you know, at that time. So it was really nice to be able to be at a position where I could genuinely ask them what's the worst that can happen and, and have them make the decision on their own, but somehow get the permission for me that it's a good idea. And of course, it may be an awful idea, but I can also tell between how they are speaking to me and what, how their eyes light up that they just need someone to tell them that it's a good idea. And that's, that's, I can be your hype girl all day long because for 10 years, I didn't have one. So that's the most rewarding is, is getting those kinds of phone calls, which always shock me to this day. And that's why I take every single phone call. I take every single meeting because I have no idea what I'm going to say to somebody that is going to benefit them in a way that is extraordinary. That's beautiful. Thank um, you. This is, you talk to a hype girl, wing woman, wingman, et cetera. So in, in, that's essentially your, your networking for people and or with people. Tell me about the process Correct. of it. So the process before the pandemic was I was meeting with a lot of people. And this came from just asking the questions of what, what do you fear about networking? And a lot of the times it's going into a room of people that they didn't know. And I said, okay, well, what if you bring a friend? Well, my friends aren't always available and they're not necessarily in business, but I would really appreciate it. I said, okay, so what would be helpful in that space? So all of these services came from having these conversations with multiple people and realizing that this was a need. So I found that when I went to the networking events with clients, I was able to be their advocate while they're there. And it, it came twofold. If they were new into the industry or new into their own businesses or new into networking, they were able to watch how I asked questions and I was able to play games with them. So it felt less scary. So whether it was going up to somebody and ask them where they're going on vacation and playing these improvisation games that allowed them to loosen up and get comfortable with the surroundings. Then if they got a little overwhelmed, I'd be there just to kind of give them that breather because it's a human to human interaction networking. It's not just going in and, you know, talking about what you do because nobody gives, no one cares. Nobody gives a damn. It's a uncomfortable situation that is comfortable for me. And I know how rare that is for a lot of individuals. So I'm really trying to make it so that way they have an advocate who's going to be their champion, who's going to be their cheerleader, but very strategically. Not just saying, oh, this person's the best because they're paying me to be here. It's more of, this is why she's so good at this because of X, Y, and Z. The benefit of what I do is I get to pick my clients. So if I believe in what they do, if I see the passion in what they do, and they just need that little extra oomph, it ends up working out brilliantly because if they're good people, that's all I care about. I don't give a damn about what you do. I care about who you are. And so if that match works out, then they get me as, as, a, as a champion of them at, at those events. And then all throughout our, our, you know, professional relationship, which extends further past the events and goes more into the sharing of their resources, the sharing of their status updates on LinkedIn and kind of being that over, you know, being that support system, that sponsor. Have you or has your client ever received any negative responses to having a network facilitator or this on-site strategic partner? Well, here's a really interesting story. So in the beginning, and I'll, I'm definitely answering that question, but the story is around the fact that it wasn't negative response. It was a little bit of confusion. So nobody know, now nobody knows if I go to an event, if I'm working with a client. Nobody knows. It's just me going to an event. I end up bringing in a guest with me. They may or may not be a client, or they may just be somebody that I know there that happens to be a client. 
in the beginning before my face was everywhere <laughs> I did those yeah. dog shows I would go and I would be an associate of that person's company so I thought okay so I'll learn about the company talk about it that way it's kind of like a business development manager for hire without the closing of the deal so it was kind of a way for me to go in and talk to this person but as an associate of that person's company now I got myself into a little bit of a of a my again my face is everywhere so I'm I'm people see me and they know what I do so when I go to an event they would ask are you here with a client and I'm like I don't know I can't I don't I can't tell you that so it's I, I knew enough people now where I can't necessarily go and and pretend that I'm an associate of somebody's you know company because my face is out there however it's better now because when I go to an event and I'm still Ashley Assist or Ashley Owen, which is my name, it's not a fake name, they don't think anything of it. So when I make the introduction to people, which I do anyway, nobody knows if I'm there with a client. So it ends up being less of a, oh, you're just introducing this person because they're your client. It's more of a, oh, this is Ashley doing her job. This is what she does. So it ended up being a way better, a way better thing. And have you also created events networking events per se that at the core you were inviting a couple of different clients and actually having the event to help facilitate introductions for their business? So I had an event called Cocktails and Conversation and the goal was to bring my networking group or bring my networking advocates into a space where they felt like they were networking but not really networking. Mm -hmm. So I would partner up with a nonprofit that wouldn't otherwise see the inside of a pyramid club, which is a prestigious business club in, in Philadelphia. And I would bring people there and I would be greeting people at the front and just making it as easy as possible for people just to have a drink to talk about the nonprofit. So they were there for commonality. And that was a conversation starter. And I would never give them name tags. I felt like that was a little bit too hokey. I felt like if people were going to chat, it was going to be organic. And it was always me walking around, making sure everybody was, was happy and healthy. And if they came over to me and asked, hey, Ash, like, I really want an introduction to this person. It was me going up and going, you two should meet. And it was easy in my own event because I knew the majority of people that were there so they didn't realize that I was everybody's networking concierge that night. And that was mm. free of charge because I had the pleasure and the privilege of having these people come, pay for a ticket, which went to the nonprofit. And I would have wonderful vendors that would donate these baskets. So at the very end, we would have we would have baskets of just goodies uh, to hand out at the very end. So it would keep people there to the very end to hear the speeches from the nonprofit. And then I would have boozy cupcakes because why not? And I would pass them around and like close the night off with some boozy cupcakes. So it ended up becoming a really nice, easy way of making feel people feel comfortable, feel taken care of like a concierge would. And it allowed me to engage people in a way that was uh, intentional and just add a little bit of my flair to it and keep it and keep it simple because mm -hmm. there's so many networking groups and events out there that are so rigid, so disheveled. And it was nice to have this consistency where people would come and understood the format because it was just drinking, it was networking, it was learning about the nonprofit, you got cupcakes at the very end, and you get a chance to win a raffle to make, give them extra cash. So, kept it simple, yeah. So, a lot of people have difficulties with the, as you just called it, the organic networking, just the insecurities, the fears. Besides being introverts, I mean, you've counseled everyone from young professionals to C-suiters. What are the established business professionals? What do they fear? What's why is their reluctance stem from to network? 
it's time. Their biggest issue is time. They feel like they don't have enough time. They feel like they don't have enough time to get to where they need to go. They don't know how to capture the networking information that they need to be a good power networker. They just do some of the C-suite women and men don't have enough time, but also don't know how to maintain and to nurture. They just think anytime I see this person, I can just re-engage and it's, it's already nurtured. And, and so time is the biggest issue for them. For the middle, middlemen in that way, the, the small business owner, usually one who's, you know, bringing in the revenue by themselves. They don't know what the, the fear, especially if they're in technology, has been really going into a room and not knowing anybody. That's also commonality with the C-suite as well. They can do it. They just don't like it. So they just refrain from doing it. So it ends up being not necessarily a, a crippling fear, but more of an annoyance that makes the, the networking process so much more frustrating. Right. And then they, and it discourages them to go. So their activity is like zero to none. And then with the, with the younger kids, they don't know what networking is. I didn't know what networking was. Mm-hmm. I had no idea. I just felt like I knew how to connect with people because I was brought up Irish Catholic and shop local. So of course I knew the guy behind the counter and his kids. Of course I knew the person because that's how I was raised to talk to everybody because why not? It's just my new friends, you know, but that is not always the case. That's why networking comes so much easier to me than I think most people, because I did that all my life and had no idea that that was actually a skill. I just knew that that's what you did in a small town. I just carried that for the rest of my, my professional career. So not everybody has that. So with the younger kids, It's recognizing that networking activity is not just talking to people. It's maintaining and doing your research before you talk to somebody. It's asking deep, meaningful business conversation questions. It's making sure that you are following up because the other person's not going to follow up. Like these are things that I learned over the course of years based off of getting kicked in the face, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and recognizing that I'm in control of that situation. So, I mean, if I could kind of recap, the biggest thing is time for the C-suite and how to maintain their their information the the middlemen and women are typically like i don't want to go to an event that i don't know anybody there it's discouraging and then the um the younger kids just are, are fearful of even doing any activity for fear of rejection so let's get into common mistakes that anyone makes whether you're executive or a young professional make in the networking process when they're a taker somebody who is very much into I'm on this phone call not to get to know you, but how I can, you know, how you can refer me business. And and as much as I do this, I take eight to 10 phone calls a day of new people that I chat with. So I'm, I'm constantly on the phone and I love it. And I love meeting new people. And I feel like I can spot it within 30 seconds of how they engage. And that's okay. And And the thing is, I was just having this conversation with Bridget yesterday, but the mistake has been record, thinking networking is a sales activity when it's really a marketing activity. That is the biggest challenge for some people. And they just may not have been educated within groups, within networking uh, organizations that kind of show by example, which allows you to kind of be in that space and kind of, you know, go through the steps and watching uh, what people are doing. How does an introvert network effectively? Online, online, <laughs> online and face to face. Yeah, introverts have the difference in my brain. The difference between introvert and extrovert is just the transmission of energy. 
right? So extroverts gain energy from talking to people and being in crowds and being the center of attention and getting affirmation that's directly to them. Introverts do the one-on-one and they feel more, they're very intentional about the way that they speak. They're very intentional about the emails that they send. They take time to think about what they're doing. Being an introvert and networking, there's so much networking activity that you could be doing that is still networking. You can still talk to people. You can still do the one-on-ones, but talk on the phone. You could still talk to people and make sure that you're actively engaging with them on the, the proper social, professional social media platforms like LinkedIn to do the activity and be a, a subject matter expert in your field and encourage other people in your industry. You can do all of that online. What I find, you know, there are two, one company is no longer in business now, but there's, there's a company run, run called Centricity. Centricity is a networking organization that I love very much. They do a great job. The woman who runs it is a severe introvert, and she's brilliant at what she does. She's brilliant. But her energy level could only go so far. So what she does, she just makes sure that she blocks out her time and she connects people individually and in a group within that. And she does a great job. Another great networking organization that's no longer in business now is called Power Match. And the woman who ran that was also a severe introvert, would never go to events, would have to take a nap after, you know, for three days if she ever went to an event that I was working with her and could not get herself to an event. But she understood that about herself and then triple down on the strength that she had to connect people. So introverts are fantastic networking organizational coordinators because they run the logistics, they keep everybody in line, and they don't necessarily have to network aggressively. What they do is that they just work and help facilitate better um, better activities. Yeah, they become the networker. They, they increase their networking power by being that facilitator that you just said. I love that. Yeah, yeah, and leaders in that space. Normal workday look like for you now post COVID. <laughs> you used to run around and plan events and be at events and represent people at events. So what's it like now? I used to be thinner. I can tell you that much. <laughs> um, the <laughs> so the a typical day is I wake up. My cat usually wakes me up at four a.m. Uh, no, I wake up, I, I I try to do a routine because my day does get packed up pretty, pretty aggressively. So a typical day is I wake up and I immediately go on to LinkedIn and I see the activity over the last few, you know, few hours and try to comment or post thoughtfully on industry specific topics. So I'll, I'll follow the hashtag networking. I'll go through, I'll see what my people are doing. But as I'm waking up, I go through and I just kind of do that first thing in the morning, get the shower, make breakfast. And then I go onto my computer and I look at all of the calls that I have for the day. So I use a LinkedIn strategy that allows me to have 15 minute introduction phone calls with anybody that I have the pleasure and the privilege of connecting with on LinkedIn. This allows me to expand it and this allows me to connect my network with them if they're looking for resources or good people to connect with. I then go through my to-do list of all of the um, introductions that I was supposed to give last week because I'm a little behind. And I try to make those introductions throughout the day. I also work with clients on a day-to-day basis off of, hey, Ash, would you mind taking a look at my newsletter? Would you mind adding some things around? Hey, Ash, would you mind helping me with this video that I'm doing that you asked me to do? Just some, It's a lot of triaging and, and keeping my clients updated. Then I go on to LinkedIn. I have my particular posts that I push out. If I have a video coming out, I push that out. But I'm constantly doing a lot of LinkedIn strategy, answering a thousand emails, 
I've got a couple of speaking engagements coming up, so prepping for that and, and communicating that space. But I'm at my desk the majority of the day, and I am constantly doing and, and trying to engage with as many people as I can via Zoom. The first phone calls are always on the phone. The second are usually via Zoom. And uh, just continuing to maintain and to text and to make sure that the people know that in my network, if I have something new coming out, like a tool or a resource, like I'm sharing it with everybody. So that way they have that, not to, to buy something from me, but they have something that's of value. Right. So I try to give something of value every day, either it's in a video, a tool, a resource, or um, a document. Mm-hmm. We'll go into tools then. Your sure. website, ashleyassists.com, is chock full of tech tools, networking tools, and uh, productivity tools. So what do you recommend for those at the most basic who are really trying to build their network? At the most basic, just just start capturing the data of the people that you're talking to mm-hmm. and the kinds of people that you want to keep like in your sphere of influence or your group of champions. These are people that will advocate for you or not in the room is a CRM system at the very baseline. So things like HubSpot, things like Insightly, things like Pipedrive, any kind of free. I like HubSpot because it's free to use and it's got a lot of features that I like a lot. Salesforce can be super, super, super customizable. It's a little difficult to use if you're not very tech savvy, but CRM is the number one thing just because over the next few years, you have no idea if you're going to lose your job. You have no idea if you're going to gain your job. You have no, so keeping all these contacts somewhere so that way your trash brain can go back and say, Oh, I spoke to this person six months ago. Here's what we talked about. I really wanted to keep them in my brain. So I don't forget to reach out to them if I actually need some help. So a CRM tool is the number one thing I would I would highly suggest to any person who's networking to get. The other one is once you get very active in the networking scene, like you're a part of a few groups and you're running a few groups and you're taking phone calls and you're doing these introduction phone calls as much as possible or one-on-one, you really want to get something called Calendly. And Calendly is a tool that allows you to schedule time on your calendar so that way you're not going back and forth. So if you are becoming a power networker and you're actively talking to people all day, you're spending about four to five hours a week just scheduling. Mm -hmm. And that you do not have the time for if you want to be a power networker. I network for a living. I barely have time to put on pants. So these tools allow me to use the data to see where I could enhance my own networking activity every quarter. With HubSpot, I can see who I've talked to the most who might be able to help me push out, let's say, a new product that I might be rolling out. And then with Calendly, I can see who sent over any kind of introduction. So with Calendly, I can pull the data based off of who made the intro in my notes. And I can thank that person aggressively and see if I can make an introduction for them. So I'm nurturing my network as well as being efficient. Your personal brand. We all know personal brands almost become table stakes. And it's often misconstrued because there's just so much information out there. But you've built your personal brand by contributing to other people's success. How do you like people to see you? And what do you consciously try and put out so that people understand who you are? I know that my skill set is unique and is not ordinary, meaning that I know that I can go into a room and talk to anybody with little to no information. And that I know is, is rare because of the people that I coach. What I want people to know about me is that I understand that that's rare. 
and I'm going to help you get over that fear and show you what I can, what I do and to see how see how that can get you to the next level. My branding is a so just to kind of go back on branding, it's a little fun fact I'll share with your with your audience. My glasses are non-prescription. They are a costume. So my glasses are only used when I'm working. Now these glasses are actually but they're blue light so I can like see like my computers. But the glasses were a way for me to put on a costume so I can portray that kind of business owner that would be taken seriously. The reason why I did that in the very beginning is because I was nervous. I had imposter syndrome. I was trying to put this part of me together that would be confident. And I felt like putting on that costume was allowing me to do that. So we're a lot of black, a lot of white, very Olivia Pope. Nobody knows from Scandal. But allowed me to just get into that mindset, which was my way of doing it because I was trained in theater. I was trained in acting. So, like, that was the way for me to do it. From there, when I took the glasses off, I was able to kind of relax into my own skin and not always be on. That no longer, that, that, those two separate people are no longer there anymore. It's just one person. I still use the glasses, but now I can like jazz them up with different colors. But it's more of the branding was allowing me to be and be taken more seriously, especially as a woman in business. Because when I was at eBay, I'm sorry, when I started wearing the glasses, when I was at eBay, I wasn't, my, my opinion was not asked. And I was, it was mansplained to me why his idea was better. First of all, I had no idea what mansplaining was until like two, like a year ago when they started bringing it up. I'm like, that's just how people talk in corporate. Like, I understand. I should have been offended. I didn't know. Like, I was so green. And so I started wearing glasses one day because I would say an idea. And then my, my male counterpart would say it the same way, except with a little bit of his jazz to it. And they would listen to what he was doing. I was like, I can't do this. So I, I started wearing glasses because I looked older. And I looked different. So if I take off my glasses, I look, I look very different. I, for all those people that I can't see this, but like, I look different. So with the glasses, I looked older and my opinion was asked within a week for Jeez. the first time in like eight months. So it became my little way of amplifying my confidence because of the, the affirmation I was getting with wearing the glasses. So when the branding came, black, white, and red was easy to print. I love, and, and I read an article years ago when I was, when I was a waitress, but if you wear red lipstick, you get tipped higher. Statistically, Harvard Business Review wrote this, I think. And this was like 10 years ago. So I'd be wearing red lipstick at work and I would get tipped more just because of the visual thing. And so that's why I wear that all the time because it was a way of me defining what my brand needed to be, what I wanted to be. And now I just want people to think that I'm approachable, that they can come to me for anything and I'll be able to help them in some way. That's all I want. I want people to talk about me positively when I'm not in the room. Well, I'm sure they do, number one. Uh, number two, no, what you. you were just saying about your glasses and, and the power colors and uh, red lipstick, uh, that leads into sharing your top tips on how to network powerfully and properly. You want, I'll give you top three tips. Does that work? My top three tips. The first one, and again, it depends on what level you are and comfortability that you have. So this is why I'm going to kind of you know, go a high level here. The first one is, remembering that nobody cares about what you at the very baseline nobody cares they care about you what your passions are how you light up when you talk about something or a completely personal topic that is a commonality between you and that person 
you got to build the know, the like, and the trust factor if you're going to be networking with somebody who's going to be able to support you or be a champion of you at some point. That's number one. Number two is is go into every conversation looking to give value first and, and think that you will receive nothing. Always go into the conversation looking to give value. Come hot with a new person that you're chatting with. Come with a resource that you know would be helpful for, let's say, their business. Maybe it's an introduction that you're hoping that you can give them. Even if it's somebody that's not relevant to their industry, they could be a good connection anyway. And having something at the ready so that way, if you don't know anybody you can introduce them to, you have some kind of resource. So come prepared. And then the third is, is you have to, networking can get overwhelming very quickly. With the amount of people that you talk to, with the amount of activities that you have. You want, especially for somebody new, you want to shop around for a networking group, get yourself familiar with those people and, and go for the low hanging fruit, meaning that you've got cards on your desk, you've got people that you've met, you've got people already in your network that you haven't nurtured. Stop looking for new people. Nurture the people that you have and categorize them as people in different areas. So like, for example, I have I grabbed a full list of all of the LinkedIn industries that were labeled on LinkedIn that you can have a company assigned to. And I started going through my head and going through the industries and saying, all right, who's a part of this? Who's a part of this? Just off the top of my head, who's the first person that came to mind? I would fill in as much as I could and then go back to my LinkedIn and say, oh, that's right. They work in that. So it allowed me to do my A team and my B team. So when I do give introductions, I have that full list of someone saying, oh, I need help in this area or I need to be introduced to these kinds of people. Here are all the people that I have that I know off the top of my head. So the top three networking tips is build the no like, and trust factor. The next is always, always, always give value and expect nothing in return. And the third is like keep your contacts organized because networking can get overwhelming. So either have a CRM system or a process that you can keep organized that works best for you. But And networking can get very overwhelming because networking can get overwhelming. <laughs> so you spoke to my temple class and one of the things you said I found fascinating was that we can only maintain 150 actual connections and social interactions. It's important not to mm -hmm. overwhelm yourself. Please uh, talk about that a little bit. So it actually comes from, I'm actually going to quote this, this article that that came from because it kind of goes more into detail after we chatted. But what was interesting about that was the fact that there are, again, 150 people that you can keep in your sphere of influence, right? It's coming from a um, the British anthropologist. This comes from Robin Dunbar. And what he says is, is that the tightest circle of people have just five people. These are loved ones. Then that's followed by a successive layer of 15 good friends, 15 really good friends. Then you've got 50 friends then you have 150 meaningful contacts, 500 acquaintances, and 1,500 people that you can recognize. And the people will migrate in and out of these ideas and layers but to make room for any new people to come in. But if you exceed 150, a network is unlikely to last long or cohere well. So that number allows you to kind of have a baseline of the kinds of people that you want to have these meaningful contacts with, and that essentially is your professional network. You're really involved when you talked about doing your cocktails and conversation and supportive philanthropies that were near and dear to your heart. Talk yeah. a little bit about the importance of volunteering and, and philanthropy in networking. 
I think networking is such, can be such a boilerplate kind of activity where you're like, I gotta go to this networking event. I wanna, you can do so much networking at different organizations because there's a commonality. So whatever charity that you enjoy, go and volunteer. That's the best kind of networking because business professionals are always doing that. So it's a great way to have that commonality. I try to bring that level of give back. If I have a platform, I've been very privileged and very lucky to have built a platform where people are listening to what I have to say. Mm-hmm. It took a lot of work. It took a lot of troubleshooting, but I have it. And I am not going to to waste it on just me because that's selfish and inconsiderate. I told myself in the very beginning, I felt like I have so much to, to give. Like I want to get involved. And I've never gotten involved with charities before. I've never gotten involved with nonprofits before because either I didn't have the time or I didn't have the confidence to do it because I wasn't really sure what I wanted to get involved in or what I could help with. And I knew that at some point, if I was going to build a business, at some point, I need to figure out how I'm going to involve nonprofits because I felt like I was missing that part of my life. And so this was my way of giving back. If I have a platform, I'm sure if I'm going to share it with somebody that needs the money or that needs to fund or bring awareness because of the shows that I do and because of all those things that I do. So that was extremely important to me. And that's kind of how I incorporated that into my network. It's important to give back in that space because it's a great networking opportunity. It opens up to yourself to different perspectives and different opinions and different ideas that strengthen the kind of network that you can build based off of of those ideas. So also diversifying your network too. So you are producing a ton of content. Your e-newsletter is like a masterclass in networking, just receiving that on a weekly basis. You're, talk, talk a little bit more about uh, the shows that you're involved in and, and plug yourself. Sure. Oh, goodness. Oh, I hate doing that. Uh, it's like I should be networking and talking about myself. And I just spent 45 minutes saying, don't do that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the two shows I have, one is called Connect to Success on RVN TV. And I've been doing that for the past two years. And that is my way of interviewing power networkers in the greater Philadelphia and South Jersey area and now nationally because we can do it through Zoom. It's my way of giving back to my network and nurturing my network. I'm giving them a platform to talk about who they are, what they do, what makes them awesome. And their networking tactical tips and practical takeaways based off of the industry norm. So it allows, I could talk to Angela in the face about networking, but I would rather have a subject matter expert in finance talk about how they network in their industry because they've got different things that they have to work with. So that's my, I don't get paid for that show. That's my way of giving back to my network on a weekly basis. And I get to go into a deeper dive with people and give them a platform to showcase who they are. So Connected Success is on rvntv.tv. It's digital streaming, but it's all on my YouTube page as well. So all the interviews are there. And then the Ask Ashley Assist show is on the This Is It TV platform, but that's more social. I used to be an editor when I was in college. So I make all those videos myself. And that is my quick five minutes, really like very heavily edited and fun way of talking about specific topics on networking. I think the last one I talked about was what to do with a taker when they're on the call with you. Mm-hmm. The last one, I think, after before that was like, there, it's like one specific area. And I go deep into that. And that's very quippy, very funny, but also very educational. And that allows me to keep people abreast of different topics that are coming up. So those two shows allow me to educate as much as possible, give me enough content to push onto my media kit, 
so I can also speak at conferences and also train teams. So it's a great way for me to educate and also have enough material to go to the next step. Very cool. Very superb. I want to, um, I want to have you back because this is, you have so much to share. I'm sure this has been wonderful, Ashley. Thank you. I'll be posting information to your Ashley assists and, and your YouTube page. Cause I think that's, that's incredible. So thank you so much for joining and sharing. Thank you for having me today. I so appreciate it. And you know, you're coming on RVN, right? Soon. You're going to come on the show. Absolutely. Love to. Love to. Thank you so much, David. All right. Appreciate it, Ashley. Thanks for listening to The Experience of You. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others who are currently trying to land a job, transition careers, or are looking to improve their professional brand. To catch all the latest workshops, resources, and insights from the Career Coach Pros community, you can follow us on Instagram at Career Coach Pros and on Twitter at Career Coach Pros. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.